Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate, or you can go to buymeacupofcoffee slash CraigU. All of these links are also in my show notes. And for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by With Your Name at the Start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And for $50, everything from the $5, $10, and $20, plus you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to my username, Bairdo37. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash C slash Canadian History X. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. For centuries, the indigenous occupied the land that would one day be the rural municipality of Sifton. It was primarily the territory of the Cree and the Ojibwa, with the Sioux having their northern reaches of the territory into the area. Various bands of the Anishinaabe were also found in the area, and artifacts in the area have been found dating back at least 10,000 years. In the area, there is also evidence of old earth mounds that are six feet high and circular, and it's believed these were not burial mounds, but ceremonial sites. Nearby to Sifton, there is what is called the Indian Wall, which is not a wall, but a pile of stones used as a bison harvesting site for an unknown length of time. But it's believed that the date of the site is between 500 AD and 1700 AD, based on the projectile points found at the site. Another set of stones in the area, facing the river, were set up in the form of a snake. The bison were an important part of the life of the indigenous of the area, providing them with nearly everything they needed for the year. And through the seasons, the indigenous would follow the bison and the other animals to harvest them. Due to the relatively proximity to Lake Winnipeg and Lake Manitoba, the area was often used as a stopping point and trading area with other indigenous groups. The waterways of the area also served as an early highway, allowing for quick trading with groups into future Alberta and Ontario. The Oak Lake Sandhills would also provide the indigenous with a unique mixture of plants and animals to harvest. It is in what is now called the Oak Lake Sandhills and Wetlands Natural Area that one can find a wide mix of biodiversity 
covering 770,000 acres. It is within this natural area that the prairie skink, the only lizard native to Manitoba, can be found. Many rare plants are also found in the area, including the prairie spiderwort, the smooth goosefoot, and the hairy prairie clover. One of the first explorers to reach the area came in 1730, Pierre La Verendier, who was appointed by the governor of New France to command fur trading posts, and he began to visit the area in an attempt to prevent trading with the new Hudson's Bay Company. The first fort built in the area would be in 1741 by his sons. It would be destroyed in 1743, then rebuilt, then destroyed again, then rebuilt, and eventually abandoned in 1763. This was the oldest trading fort in the West. A new group would emerge after the first fur traders arrived in the late 1700s and continuing into the 1800s, the Métis. It was the Métis who would begin to conduct an organized bison hunt, which became legendary for its size and success. The Métis were then able to prosper with the skins, pemmican, and meat they harvested from the great beasts. Over time, due to the overhunting on the American side of the border especially, the bison herds began to decrease, but the Métis were in the area to stay, and they would have a massive impact on the formation of Manitoba into Confederation. The settlement of the Sifton area would come about after Manitoba joined Confederation. In the mid-1890s, large groups of Ukrainians started to settle in the area. Minister of the Interior Clifford Sifton pushed a campaign to bring in farmers from Eastern Europe, and when Ukrainians settled, they named the area and the town that popped up Sifton in his honor. One of the early settlers was Paul Wood, who was a highly educated Englishman who came to Canada looking for adventure. He would go back to England to get married in 1896, then came back out to the west to start up his homestead with his new wife. He would put his crop into the ground, which froze black in June. Unhappy with the homesteading, he sold his land for $100 to William Buchanan, and they had no ink for the deal, so Wood brewed a pot of dark tea, and they used that to sign the papers. Wood would then move to Sifton itself, where he operated the first grain elevator and served as the first land agent as well. He would also start the first grain handling facility in the community, while also serving as the interpreter and land guide for new settlers in the area. Around this time, traders would often stop in the area of Oak Lake, named for its large number of oak trees, which would be used to repair wagons. In 1881, work crews on the new Canadian Pacific Railway would reach the area, and a siding and small station were built. From that, the community of Oak Lake would rise up and become the main community in the RM of Sifton. The early town would consist of a grocery store and post office set up in a tent. Through the summer, there were tent hotels and a stable, and the entire community would eventually move in 1883 to its present site, where the roundhouse was located for the railroad. Over time, the community began to spring up as permanent buildings and homes were built. By 1885, the total wheat market for the Oak Lake area was 125,000 bushels, and the first permanent hotel was also built that year by William Thompson. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. 
through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. The community of Griswold would be established in the district around this time as well. And before long, it would begin to see growth, and at its height, contained a flour mill, hotel, general store, a newspaper, two doctors, and five grain elevators. As surveyors came through in 1881, they also surveyed the community of Deleuze. A decade later, the Deleuze School District was established, but it was racially divided between the Belgian Roman Catholics and the French Roman Catholics. This led to the two groups building their own schools on either side of the community, and it was not until 1919 that the two schools would actually consolidate. In 1888, the St. Albans Anglican Parish was formed in Oak Lake thanks to the efforts of Reverend Charles Quinney. On land donated by the Northwest Land Company, James Andrew and his contractors would build a new church over the next two years. It would be opened on June 22, 1890 by Bishop McRae. The church continues to stand to this day and is one of the most impressive examples of a pre-1900 church in Manitoba. Within, nearly everything has been preserved including the structural and decorative elements as well as the beautiful pipe organ. On August 29, 1906, Lord Grey, the Governor General of Canada and Lady Grey were travelling across the country and they would actually make a stop in Sifton. The members of the party would stop at the home of a Mr. Bazaraba where several photos were taken. In 1923, the Cross of Sacrifice was constructed in Oak Lake to honour the men who lost their lives serving Canada during the First World War. The cross was the project of the Women's Institute, and the women were aided by their husbands to get the cross erected at the spot. The plot in the cemetery had been obtained in 1922, and the Union Jack would fly from a flagpole there. It was also where Remembrance Day ceremonies were held, and the cross itself was built by J. Dom, T.J. Smith, and J. Rosal. It would later be rededicated to honour the men who died in the Second World War as well. When it was built, it was placed in the Oak Lake Cemetery, but it would be moved into the town in the mid-1930s. In 1972, it was moved to its current location near the Legion Hall. On September 11, 1930, Three sacks of preserved pemmican was found by Colin Insker when he was grading a crossing near Sifton Junction. The pemmican was quite old, having been made from preserved bison meat and used by fur traders in the early to mid part of the 19th century. The meat was more or less decomposed, but was still identified as pemmican. In the early 1930s, John Wesolowski was going broke as a blacksmith, but his brother would start a manufacturing business making spinning wheels that would change everything. The business soon became a major employer in the community through the Great Depression, and eventually Wesolowski partnered with William McFraden, who was the CN agent of the time. McFraden and his wife Olive would found Sifton Products, 
a mail-order company. The company began to expand so quickly that the decision was made to move to Paris, Ontario, where the company name was changed to Mary Maxim. Specializing in craft and needlework projects that could be ordered through the mail, the company would see celebrities such as Bob Hope, the Bare Naked Ladies, and Angela Lansbury wear their product. On January 18, 1942, Sylvester Demchuk was working in a field with his father when he looked up to see three planes flying from the Service Flying Training School. As he watched, two of the planes failed to make a perfect change and collided in the air. The one plane was able to limp back to base, but the third spiraled out of the air and crashed into the ground in a ball of flames. Demchuk's father quickly harnessed a team of horses and they raced to the crash site to see if they could help. The two airmen on the plane lost their lives that day, and no trace of their bodies were ever found due to the heat of the fire in the explosion. On March 31, 1949, a terrible fire erupted in Sifton at 6am in the two-story brick building that housed the radio store, butcher shop, bakery, and an apartment. The building was quickly gutted by flames which soon began to spread to the lumberyard and general store next door. The Farian family had to flee from the apartment to escape the flames, but Mr. Farian went back to save personal belongings. He soon found the stairway blocked by flames. So, he broke a window and jumped out from the second story onto a lean-to, and he would only suffer bad cuts on his hand. At the lumberyard, ten carloads of lumber was completely destroyed. Across the road, another general store was threatened by the flames, but a bucket brigade set up by volunteers would save the building from being destroyed. By the time the fire was finally out, it had caused $100,000 in damages. Today, that would be about $1.24 million. The fire would be investigated, and it was believed it was caused by a defective chimney. Only one year after that fire, another fire erupted on January 26, 1950. The fire was a terrible one that nearly wiped out an entire block of homes and businesses on Main Street. The fire broke out in the consumer's cooperative garage at 8.30am and a fire truck from Dauphin would come to fight the flames, along with six members of the fire brigade who set up a bucket brigade. A strong wind was blowing in from the north and the fire began to spread, but then the wind direction changed to the west and the danger of houses burning was thankfully eliminated. Nonetheless, the garage burned to the ground along with two cars and two trucks inside. A house attached to the garage also burned to the ground, as did the post office, which was completely gutted. All mail was thankfully saved from the building before it burned, and the pool room, cafe, a beauty parlor, and a hotel all suffered damages as well. The deputy fire chief, Gordon Harrison, would say, quote, I've never seen so many people working so hard to stop a fire. They used everything they could to carry water to battle the fire, end quote. This was all done in weather that was sitting at minus 30 degrees Celsius. School was even let out due to the emergency, and children began to help fight the fire as well. And thankfully, the fire was stopped before it reached the gas pumps at the garage. If those had been hit, they would have caused a massive explosion. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at the arm of Sifton. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. 
And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Wendy Mills, Keelan Pregnitz, Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.